turn on the lights. Let's get ready to go. Episode six of the Gone Bridge podcast. My name's Andrew Gardner here with Alex Kloss and Steve Brady. How are we doing today, guys? We are living the dream as usual. Ready to go as always. You know, I just got, I got one thing to say. I cannot stand Dodgers fans. I can't stand them. Dude, Dodgers fans are some of the most entitled fans. Uh, they're, in my mind, the Yankees of the West Coast. So I can totally see where you're coming from from that. I, I'm, not, I'm not one to ever start Twitter beef. I'm, I'm very, very down to earth, very quiet most of the time. However, some of the comments I've been seeing on Twitter, I, this, this is why I wanted the Rays to win the World Series. Because these guys get one World Series in the last 32 years, and they think they're on top of a mountain. And a 60-game season, nonetheless. Yeah, big asterisk on that one, if you ask me. Um, so I, I saw a tweet the other day, um, the all MLB teams, um, which is also something we'll, we'll get into later. Uh, they were doing some projections on the all MLB teams. Um, and someone made a joke about, uh, Corey Seager being the best shortstop in the NL West. Um, actually he was talking about that Fernando Tatis had no business being on the all MLB team, which is in my opinion, ridiculous. So I made a joke saying, oh, like Brandon Crawford's the best shortstop in the NL West. And these these guys start chirping me about Mookie and all this stuff. And I'm like, like all this stuff about the Red Sox cheating in 2018 when we beat them. So, you know, I, I got no room for them. Well, the fact of the matter is we didn't cheat when we beat them in the 2018 World Series. You look up anything, any source says that we did not cheat during that World Series. So that was fair and square. Steve Pierce is literally the owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I don't know how they can get off saying stuff like that. Well, the the one tweet I said I sent to him that shut him up was uh, a screenshot of a Dodgers website claiming that the Red Sox never cheated in the World Series. So, again, just these these claims – they're so cocky, like they're good every year and they choke. I just, I can't stand them. Well, I mean, would you rather be good every year and fall short or be like, who? who's a good example, I guess, like the, the Blue Jays for the past like six years? I, I mean, I would rather be that, but, um, you know, they finally get the World Series. But um, the, the one thing I want to, I want to take a deeper dive into here. Uh, is the NL West shortstops because it's an absolutely loaded division um, for shortstops. So we got Brandon Crawford on the Giants, Corey Seager on the Dodgers, Trevor Story on the Rockies, Fernando Tatis on the Padres, and then uh, Nick Ahmed slash Cattell Marte, whoever you think is their starting shortstop normally, on the Diamondbacks. Uh, Steve, I know you're a Seager guy. Let's, uh, let's hear what you gotta, gotta say on that. All right. I think that the argument can be made, uh, for three guys, because like you said, it is such a loaded division. I think, uh, Corey Seager, Tatis and Trevor story all have like equal chance to be considered the best, uh, shortstop in their division. I think that, um, if I had to go with one, it's hard to pick Corey Seager, even though I think he's the most like talented player out of them all because he just got over Tommy John surgery. And actually in his first season back, he totally produced. He was by far the best player in the playoffs. So I don't know like how much uh, you take that into consideration playoff performance wise. But then even if you look at Trevor Story and his stats, like he is a ridiculously good offensive player. And I think that the only thing that Tatis firmly has like over them both is 
his defensive defensive ability. I think that he's kind of a little overrated offensively, not too too much. I think that um, he like just is starting to get into like hitting for average, and that's like gonna happen obviously because he's just developing in the league and getting uh, more mature as a batter as he goes on. But I mean, if I had to go with one guy that I would want to put on the Red Sox, I guess, and probably Corey Seager, then Trevor Story, then Tatis. I, I don't know what you think, Klaus, and I'd love to hear what your opinion is before Gardner goes, because I know what he's going to say. So the thing with Seager is that he's 26 years old. Like, prime like prime athlete, especially in baseball, is like 28. So he's getting to be as good as he's going to get. Fernando Tatis is 21 years old, and if he's already, like, I think he's better than Corey Seager. Um, like, the field matters so much, especially at shortstop. I think he's probably right up there at the plate. Um, so I think in five years – He's going to be miles better than Corey Seager was at 26. So I guess I just think of like, if he's this good at 21 and Corey Seager is as good as he is at 26, like, I guess I just like projected out five years. Who's going to be way better. It's Fernando Tatis. All right. Well, for me, Corey Seager is the third best shortstop in the division. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think he's talented because I think he is. Um, but I'm also going to say that I would rather have Cattell Marte over Corey Seager uh, I know I know he's more of a second baseman than a shortstop. He can't play the position. I would rather have him. Um, he carried that Diamondbacks team in 2019. Trevor Story, a very impressive talent. People can say he plays in Colorado where the ball goes far, but that doesn't, doesn't always guarantee home runs. Uh, he's a very, very good talent. And then Fernando Tatis. I love that guy. He's one of my favorite players in baseball. Again, as Clawson said, he's only 21. Um, but my other point is that Seager is so protected in that lineup around other guys. You've got Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Max Muncie, uh, Justin Turner. I mean, besides Arenado on the Rockies, it's like Arenado, Blackman, and then Story. Uh, between those three guys, like I feel like I feel like Story is the one guy you're going to come at, and he's still putting up those numbers. Uh, again, those three shortstops, they're all in the top 10 of the MLB. That that's goes without saying. However, for me, I think I think Seager's the, the third best guy there. Oh, I don't know if Story's the guy that you're going to go after in the Rockies lineup because Blackman's getting a little older, and he started out really hot uh, last season uh, as far as like hitting for average goes. I think he was like above 400 for a while. But uh, he's getting older, and the year before that, he like hasn't been as great. So, I mean, I think that – I don't know for sure what their batting order is, but I'm pretty sure that, uh, like, if I was going to, like, line those guys up, it would be Blackman, Story, Arenado. So, Story's, like, right in the middle of both those guys. So, it's hard – like, you got to pitch to him if that's the case because Blackman's probably going to go on base because he's one of the best leadoff hitters in the league. And then it's, like, you, you can't just, like, bank on the fact that Arenado's after Story. So, I think you got to pitch to Story in that lineup. So, I don't know if I agree at that point. But like I like you said, they're all in the top ten in the league. So I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how Tatis further develops. I know that there's a lot of guys that come into the league and uh, light it up right away. Uh, but once the league figures them out a little bit, it's kind of harder to uh, to keep that production going. So I just got to see what he has to offer for the next like two or three years before I'm like putting all my eggs in that basket. Uh, I get back to Gardner's point about where Seager's so protected in the lineup, like. Corey Seager was fantastic in the playoffs this year, but when you look at like last year, he was out all year and the Dodgers still made it to the NLCS um, and they almost made it to the world series. So 
I guess it's like when you, t- if you took Tatis out of that lineup, the Padres are losing a lot more games than if you take Seager out of the lineup. Cause we know what the Dodgers are without Seager. And I think the Padres would be, you know, much worse than they are if they took Tatis out of the lineup. Great. I don't think that's anybody's fault though. I don't think that's Corey Seager's. Like, I don't think you can knock him for that. Yeah. But I think it just shows that he's, he's not as big of an asset to his team as Trevor story and Fernando Tatis are. He's very replaceable. I think you could take any average court, like any um, average shortstop and put him at, um, put him on the Dodgers and the Dodgers probably wouldn't lose many more games than if they had Corey Seager. Like there would obviously be a production difference, but I don't think the Dodgers are significantly worse off. I don't think they're not a world series team if they don't have Seager, where I think if the Padres don't have Tatis, then they're borderline a playoff team and they're definitely not a world series team. I think you could say that about pretty much anybody in the Dodgers though, considering how packed of talent they are like sure Mookie's their best player and he really like makes them a better team. But if you take him off the team, like Gardner said, they made the playoffs last year, or maybe you said it like Corey Seager was out last year. They made the playoffs, uh, almost made it to the world series, whatever, uh, without Mookie, without Seager. So it's like, I think you could take away Bellinger. You can take any individual player on that team and they're still really good. So it's just like the talent is so, so packed on that team. They do a great yeah, I guess job. It... No, go ahead. Yeah. no, I, was just I gonna... guess I just don't like, Oh, go ahead. All right. You're up Gardner. No, I was just going to say they, they do such a good job of developing uh, farm pieces too, that, you know, they're a big market team. They're in LA. They're able to go out and get guys when they want them. You know, you forget that they replaced Corey Seager with Manny Machado in that 2018 run and then just let him go. And they had Corey Seager to replace him. Like that's insane. And when they also have guys coming up like Gavin Lux, who's a top 10 prospect in baseball and can, can play most infield positions. Um, for me, that, that shows that Seager's a replaceable guy. Um, and it, it doesn't knock him. He would be a, a great addition to any team. I, again, I would, I would enjoy having any three of those guys on the Red Sox, uh, not over Xander, of course, cause he's the best, but, um, in the lineup, they would all be awesome. But, uh, to my argument, I think, I think Seager is the, the least valuable out of the three of them. You know, I guess you can't really argue that point just because, like I said, um, he is the least important to their team, but that's just saying how good the Dodgers are, really. They have three former MVPs on that team. And I think at the beginning of last season, uh, like seven out of their nine position or eight position players were former All-Stars. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, if you didn't have the Dodgers to win the World Series last year on paper, like, then I don't know what you were looking at because, like, that's just wrong. Unless you were a Yankee fan. Yeah, but like Yankee fans are delusional. So delusional. Yeah. So I got, I got one more opponent to pick with the uh, with the Dodgers. So I, I don't know how you guys feel about Dave Roberts. I think he's like Red Sox legend. Like obviously what he did for them is fantastic. I think he's a terrible manager. I think they should have fired him two years ago. I mean, I could manage the Dodgers and we would probably still have made it to the World Series. That's what I'm I think the fact that he was hired in 2016 and they didn't make the World Series between 2016 and now I think is – embarrassing um and i really think the dodgers could have done so much better i think they could have at least made the world series maybe not like i think they could have made the world series a couple more times i think they could have won it maybe one more time if they had somebody other than dave roberts because he's just dropped the ball too many times well how many times did they make the world series they made it they made it three times in the last four years yeah Um, that's pretty ridiculous i think it's pretty good honestly i don't think he's the best manager but um 
I feel like you you can't really argue that like the Dodgers manager has to be fired there because that talent is so loaded. And when you get when you're consistently getting to the NLCS every single year, at least, and your talent like is just falling short, but you have the pieces there. I don't really know how much you can fault the manager. Like he's doing his job. He's getting the team to that point. But again, when, when you're up, what was it? Three, nothing in like the seventh or eighth inning and you're serving up home runs to Howie Kendrick. I don't think that's Robert's fault. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, when you have that much talent on a team, all you need from your manager is to just like be, have a good relationship with your players. Like so he not, doesn't not have Bobby to Valentine. Think, yeah. You, you just have to not be an idiot and like not deliberately lose games and your job will be secure. Have a good relationship with the players. That's it. I guess I just see it as like the impact that a really good manager has on a team, like Kevin Cash with the Rays. Like if you took Dave Roberts and put him on the Rays, I don't think they're making the world series, but I think if you put Kevin Cash on the Dodgers, they're winning the world series two, three times. Oh yeah. No, I'm not arguing that. I I don't think Roberts is a great manager. I'm just saying that until the Dodgers miss out on the playoffs, I don't really think, that you can fire him. Yeah, um, it's significantly that, underachieve. That that 2017 team, I'll be honest, I mean, I think we can all agree they should have won the World Series. The Astros cheated. There was a couple of games there in Houston. I think it was game three or four where it was like 13 to 12, and Houston was just like they they wouldn't miss, and that was because they were cheating. And then no one was beating the 2018 Red Sox. They were absolute powerhouse. Um and so, yeah, I mean, the talent was there. They should probably have two World Series, maybe even a third. But, again, sometimes they just fall short. It's it's really hard to win the World Series every year. So, until they fall flat on their face and have a horrible season, I don't think you can uh, can Roberts. When's the last uh, time there was a repeat champion? 01? Something oh, like, or 02? Oh, yeah, 2000. No, 99 and 2000, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the D-backs won in 01. Oh, 01, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess I, I thought if, like, the Dodgers didn't win the World Series this year, I think you had to can Dave Roberts at that point because you can't take that – like, it was far and ahead the best roster in baseball. And if you didn't beat, you know, the money ball raise, then I think that there's, like, a clear problem with management. Um, so I think he's kind of got the pass for the next couple of years because he already won one. But I think if this year, like, if the Rays won, I think that's the end of Dave Roberts. I agree with you for sure. Here's a interesting stat here. Um, we don't really have to dive into this too much because it's essentially just like, um, like the the fixed All Star roster for this year because there wasn't an All Star game. So I'm looking at the the MLB first and second team right now, and the um, only teams that have more players on or have multiple players on the first team are the Padres and the Braves. And I believe that is it. Yeah, the Braves have Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna and Max uh, Freed. And then the Padres have Machado and Tatis. So, I mean, the Dodgers have such a loaded roster, yet the only guy they were able to get on there was Mookie Betts. Um, So I don't really know if that means anything, if it's more just a subjective award. Yeah, I didn't put too much much thought into it, like – it's not the best players at each position. It's just the best players that kind of put up the best looking stats that year. So were there uh, any, any guys on any of the two teams that like stood out to you guys, either like snubs or guys who were on there who you were surprised about? Um, one guy that's interesting to me is uh, Mike Yastrzemski. 
just because he's pretty old. Like, I think he's 29 and he's just now starting to like kick off his career, like in a really productive way. Like I know he had a decent season in uh, 20, like 18 to 19 or something like that. Now he's just like solidifying himself as one of the better players in the league, which I think is pretty cool to see, especially being a Red Sox fan. So. Yeah, Um, I guess. Go ahead. No, 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 you, you're go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so the only guy that I thought deserved a spot on one of the um, All MLB teams was Travis Darno. Um, I would have put him over Salvador Perez. Um, I think Salvador Perez is probably the third best catcher um, out of him, Ramuto and Darno. Um, I get you know when you look at it, Darno pretty comparable numbers. Um, Salvador Perez only played 37 games, so out of 60, he played like half the games, which really isn't that much. Um, and I think that you have to take into account how good Darno was at handling that pitching staff where the Braves had such a good pitching staff this year. Darno was almost always behind the plate. He was getting guys to work. He was getting guys out. Um, so I think that was one of those things. Like when you look at the Royals, you know, they didn't make much noise in the pitching department. So Salvador Perez seemed like he was mostly a offensive catcher. Um, so I think for that reason, I would put Darno ahead of Perez um, Darno and, Ramuto are kind of hand in hand, I would say. Maybe Ramuto gets the upper hand because he's the better hitter. But um, overall, I, I didn't think Salvador Perez should have been um, first team or really second team either. Yeah, there's no one really that like truly stands out to me. I mean, obviously, there's no Red Sox guys on the list, which is fine. Um, for me, the one guy who kind of – well, the one thing that's interesting to me is that um, the two MVPs – were both first basemen, which I didn't really even realize until now. So uh, weird seeing one of the league's MVPs on the second team. Um, but, yeah, I got to agree. It was awesome seeing Mikey Stremski on the list. And um, one guy who I I'm, I really think it's cool to see on there is Brandon Lau on the Rays. Um, that's a guy who I think um, we can start to see, like, uh, kind of like clones of on the Red Sox. Like that's a prime hind bloom move right there. I remember uh, watching him play in I think 2018 or 2019 and he was pretty quiet. Didn't really think anything of him. And then he just burst onto the scene. Uh, and so, you know, Heim's got that talent to scout guys out. And I think moves like that are what we should be looking forward to. If you guys could um, pick one Red Sox player that was like the closest to deserving to be on one of these teams, who would that be? That's tough to say. Um, I guess it's just like who you think our best player was this year. Who was our MVP? I would Uh, say either like Bogarts, just because he always shows up and performs, or Verdugo. I mean, um, you know, he wouldn't make an all MLB team, but I think he would have been an all-star. So I think between those two, um, you know, Rafi got hot at the end, but in the end wasn't spectacular. Um, So I'd say either Xander or Verdugo. Yeah, those are my two picks. What about uh, Phillips Valdez? Throw him on there as a little relief action. Yeah, yeah. Houck. He went 3 0. Yeah, listen, if you're not looking at sample size, Houck is uh, first team talent. Exactly. Yeah. See, I think my favorite second team choice was Garrett Cole. You spend all that money, you expect him to be the best pitcher in baseball, and he gets to second team. I think he was unbelievably average last year. I think he had like a 3-8 for most of the season. I was going to say, am I wrong for thinking second team is like way too high for him? He showed up in the playoffs a little bit. Um, Like he was pretty good in the playoffs for him, but the regular season, like he was nothing. 
Um, there was a point towards the end of the season where he had allowed the most home runs out of any pitcher. It's interesting when you see that because he leaves the Astros. Everybody that joins the Astros, their spin rate goes way up, and all of a sudden he's not on the Astros anymore, and he's not pitching like the MVP candidate he was the year before. So I don't know yeah. where that yeah. comes from, but you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they got they got busted for cheating uh, for hitting down there, but who knows? Maybe they got some some potion they're feeding their pitchers because. Every guy who goes there just turns into an absolute stud. Um, moving on a little bit, some more Red Sox talk here and uh, another free agent who we're looking at. I'm going to butcher this name. Tomoyaki Sugano uh, from the Yuminori Umino- Giants of the JPCL. Um, he was posted. He's looking to come to the MLB, and the Red Sox are one team who's who's in on him. Um yeah, I don't really know too much about him. He's 31. Red Sox haven't always had the best success bringing over uh, the foreign foreign players. A guy like Dice K comes to mind, but Okajima was also pretty good. Um, but you know, maybe he'll he could be like a Tanaka type player. He had a 197 ERA last year. I think with a reasonable contract, I'm totally fine with it. Awesome. What do you think? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's one of those like you got to take the risk. Um, if it's good pitching, you got to give it, a, you got to give it a shot. Um, you know, Japanese guys don't always work. Um, Dice K is like the prime example. Uh, but if you take the first two years of Dice K and if we can get that with this guy, then that's totally fine with me. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have my concerns about this guy. He's 31 years old. I think he tops out at around 92 miles per hour, which um, I think just like, isn't that great in today's MLB. And uh, he had a 1.97 ERA last year, but in 2019, he had a 3.89, which was kind of a spike in his stats. So I wonder if he was injured that year or if he has an injury history, I'd have to look more into it. But I think he's going to be able to command about like $15 million a year, which uh, for a 31-year-old that isn't proven in this league, I don't know. I mean, like like you said, you got to take the risk, but like I don't know if I'm 100% on board with this the thing that makes me nervous would be length of contract because um as we've seen the deeper guys pitch into their careers at least in the al east it seems like they seem to struggle more the al east is such a good division and maybe this guy comes in for the first one to two years they have teams have limited scouting reports on him he's able to throw like i don't know he's got well like a some a slider or some offseed off-speed pitch like that? I think his main off-speed is a curveball that honestly, from what I've seen, is pretty dirty. Right. Yeah, so I feel like um, the Japanese game is a lot more like finesse and um, it's a lot more like calculated whereas the MLB, it's it's turning out to be just fireball. Like if you can throw 100 and you can strike guys out, you will get a job. So I feel like his um, the way he plays the game is a little bit different, which is fine. As long as he can get guys out, I don't care. But um, it's scary to me. Uh, I think the length of the contract would be the big thing. If we're paying him $30 million for two years, it doesn't really bother me. But anything over three to four years, um, I, I would kind of be out on him. Yeah, yeah Red Sox don't are... want him on the payroll for four years. Yeah, Red Sox and money kind of don't like bother me anymore. Um, I guess my fear would be if he's not like Gardner, as you said, like baseball is so like overpowering now, like if you can throw a hundred miles an hour 
and you can hit a ball 350 feet, like you're going to get in the lineup every day. Um, so I guess my fear would be like this guy goes out, he's throwing meatballs and guys just, like Giancarlo Stanton's up to bat and he takes him 430 feet over the monster, like every time. Um, like Fenway is not a pitcher's park. So if he can't control his pitches, then he's like, he's done. Um, there is no use for him in Boston. Yeah. That being said, if we get him, we get Kluber, all of a sudden we have uh, like a real life lo- rotation there about a month into the season. Hopefully when sale comes back, yeah. Like, hopefully he comes back like Chris sale, Erod, Evaldi, uh, this guy, uh, Tomo Yuki and Kluber. I mean, like there's a lot of question marks in that rotation. It's really boomer bust right there. And if you're sinking money into two more guys that might be able to command a decent amount, like Kluber and this guy from Japan, uh, that kind of leaves you in a tough spot salary wise. Yeah, Uh, no, that's a really good starting five rotation. Again, it it wouldn't be from the point we're at right now, it already wouldn't be possible for opening day uh, because sales going to be out, but sale, Erod, Avaldi, Kluber, and then uh, Tomoyaki. That's a good, that's a great rotation. However, there is not one guy in that rotation who like more than two years in a row has made 30 starts because Kluber can also get hurt. Erod was out last year. Sale was out. Avaldi gets hurt almost every other game. Um, these Japanese guys for me are really hit or miss. You know, Tanaka was an absolute stud in Japan. And you look at his numbers, his first three years, he had a 2.77, a 3.5, and a 3.07. And then um, his next four years, he was over a 3.6 every year um, and had a couple years where he was in the high fours. So, again, you know, he's starting to get older, too. He is 32 now. So, I don't I don't know. Uh, you also look like a, at a guy like Hinjin Ryu, who's been really, really good for Toronto, was good with the Dodgers. So, again, it, it, there's almost no predictability with these guys, and that's, that's what's tough with me. And that's almost been the case with the international market as a whole. I mean, you look at Ruzna Castillo, um, <laughs> you, you just can't predict it. Um, they have raw talent, but you don't know how it's going to translate into the, to the majors. I think Heim's going to be like, I want to make the playoffs next year. If this is what it takes, I'm going to give this guy $30 million. I'm going to give Kluber hopefully not a ridiculous amount because he's kind of old and hasn't played baseball in like two years. But if I, I'm Heim Bloom, if I'm getting into his head right now, he is like not taking a year off. He is like, this is the year we're going to get back into the playoffs and I'm going to do it at all costs, which is scary, but also pretty exciting at the same time. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I mean, I'm good with that. As long as he doesn't give up the farm, like Dabrowski did. Um, I think farm. exactly what, well, I mean, what's left of it um, <laughs> giving up the fence posts. Um, but I guess like, as long as he doesn't pull a Dabrowski and like deplete whatever's left of the farm system and give away draft picks and like any capital that we have that's left, um, I'm fine with him spending money because I think the offense is ready to go. And I think pitching is really just the only thing we need. Um, like when you watch games last year, they were allowing like six, eight runs a game. And like, you just can't win baseball games when you're allowing that many runs. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with him dumping some short-term money. I don't think pitching is ever going to be one of those things that the Red Sox can say is like stable for five years. Uh, I think you're going to have to replace guys every couple of years um, anyways. So I'm fine with him dumping some money into it and, you know, 
I think he's got to do it. I don't think, you know, with the AC signing and then everything else, like he's just got to go after it. So for me, um, this, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. I'm really not, I don't know if it's because 2020 was just such a dud and it was so painful to watch that I'm nervous that it's going to happen again, but I'm not overly excited for next year right now. Um, I'm not confident at all in the team right now. However, if we make a few moves, I really think that can turn around. Um, we need two starting pitchers. We need a couple bullpen guys. And we also we need, need a lot of bullpen guys, a lot of bullpen guys, which we'll talk about that in one minute. We just yeah. picked someone up. Um, however, we also need another two outfielders. I know that the Red Sox said they're still in on Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm kind of, kind of past that already. Um, I'm fine. If he goes, I think the ship has sailed on that. Uh, the one guy who, when we talked about, I think it was last week with the non-tender uh, deadline who wasn't tendered was Eddie Rosario on the Twins. Uh, he's a good player. 32 home runs in 2019. In fact, uh, between 2017 and 2019, he hit at least 24 home runs every single year. So even if he's in there for more of a platoon role, that's a good piece, probably a cheap piece. Um Again, you can't expect the Red Sox to go out and get anyone big, but moves like that are gonna gonna kind of add to depth, which is what we need. Yeah, we need a lot of uh, a lot of bullpen guys. So let's uh, I guess get into that real quick. Uh, we just got through the Rule Five draft. Uh, Garrett Whitlock from the New York Yankees, and the way that works is he has to stay on the uh, active MLB roster all season or else we can offer, we have to offer him back to the Yankees. And I, uh, I think one of you guys knows a little bit more about his style uh, than I do. So if you want to jump in and talk about that real quick. Um, yeah, I can hop in here. Um, I mean, obviously I've, I've never seen him pitch. Has he, has he even pitched in the majors? I don't, he was a, I don't he was think a double A and he had like yeah. a three O ERA. No, so the highest he's pitched is um double A, but uh let's see, twenty nineteen double A, he had a three point zero seven ERA. And in twenty eighteen he pitched uh thirteen thirteen starts in high A with a two nine six and then a one one three in single A. So Again, he hasn't pitched above double A, but you look at a guy like Jonathan Araz, who was our or Arauz, uh, our Rule Five draft pick last year. Obviously, they have to stay on the roster for the entire year, or you offer them back. So this is basically a guaranteed roster spot for the kid, unless he completely blows up and is horrible. Um, but you know, I'm I'm fine with it. It's better than guys like uh, Robert Stock and Matt Hall and all those junk names we were thrown out at the end of the year. This guy at least looks like he's got some good potential. Hey, he's a big dude. He's like six, three He's like 200 pounds. Like it, when you look at him, I guess you think he can probably throw. And I guess I'd rather take a flyer on this kid than what we have. Cause what we have sucks. I think yeah. I can name two guys in our bullpen right now, Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier. And outside of that, I really could not tell you who's still on the team. Who's not on the team. And, and honestly, it doesn't matter because outside of Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier, the names literally are so replaceable, it's ridiculous. It's such a revolving door. It's such a revolving door. In fact, um, I, I don't really even think you can project who would be on the roster right now because uh, it, w- it would come down to performance in spring training. There's so many guys clumped together in that same category of mediocrity 
that there's no way to project that. So even, even Brazier, like he barely stands out above the rest. He's been pretty bad the last two years. Um, I think Pavetta's maybe a guy that will get some looks and Chris Mazza, Austin Bryce, but again, to the, to the common fan, those are, <laughs> those are no names. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're gonna we're planning on bringing any of like our prospects up or what the deal is, but I'm willing to try anything at that push. I'm willing to throw kids in the fire if need be, just to see what works. So it's like if Durbin Feltman is like ready to get some reps, let's just toss him in there because like I couldn't care less if he blows up because everything sucks at this point. He's been. I'm still kind of waiting on Heim Bloom to start walking around the streets of Boston and taking the tallest lefty he can find and giving him a baseball seeing what happens. I think he tried it with the Rays and it worked out pretty well. So I think if, uh, if the farm doesn't work, he's just going to start scouting the streets of Boston. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Clawson, I think, I think he might be looking for you to get some reps in for the team. Honestly. I'll start, I'll start warming up the arm. <laughs> yeah. Get the pen going in the backyard. You're going to be better than half the guys in the bullpen last year. Kyle Hart. Who was that guy? Oh, Dylan, Dylan Covey. He had like the worst MLB ERA over like 150 innings pitched, and Heim was like, "You know what? This is the guy. This is the guy. <laughs> this is him. Out of all the free agents, this is the one." Um, uh, but yeah, there are a couple of pitchers in the farm system: Durbin Feltman, Brian Mata, um, Noah Song. Who, again, this these next few or this next year, if if things go down uh down the hole again bring them up because there's no reason why you shouldn't yeah i mean if they stink then like whatever I, at the very least you're getting them some major league experience yeah you know what i mean and i know that i, feel like uh, I was Go gonna on. say i know i don't really know the status of the minor league season this year so um i don't know how much uh reps they'll be getting anyway yeah, maybe we'll get some uh, extra roster spots or something to like bring people up. Cause if there's no minor league season, then they got to kind of do something. Yeah, they need to start pushing guys through the minors. Cause we hear about all these guys and like they're projected to come up in the next couple of years, but I'd be okay with like fast tracking them. Um, I don't pay attention. Like I don't pay enough attention to minor league baseball and player development to know if like bringing them up like way too early is just going to like destroy them or not. But I feel like the, like those pitching arms that you are, are know we're going to come up in the next couple of years and are supposed to be decent, I'd be fine with giving them MLB reps. Um, you know, don't bring them up right away so you can keep them for longer. But I think as long as they get major league innings, I think you just kind of keep churning through the farm system and, you know, try and bring guys up and see what happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you guys had saw that the Red Sox um, temporarily cut ties with the, the Lowell Spinners. Um, Did see that. Rest the, in peace. Yeah, they're, they're hopeful. Maybe they could bring them back in, in 2022. But the the team was, I guess the MLB came out with something that for this year, you could only have four affiliations. So they chose uh, Greenville, Salem, Portland, and then uh, the Woo Sox. Woo! The Woo Sox, baby. Woo! <laughs> pride of, uh, of Pawtucket, no longer. Yikes. When is that stadium supposed to open? I think this year. This year? Yeah. I know it. Woo! I've heard it's in like the worst part of. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Worcester, but um, Kelly Square in Worcester, it's like the 13 like part intersection or something. It's like right next to it, so like 
there's just going to be car crash galore trying to get to the Woo Sox. So oh, uh, anybody who's listening, be that many people clamoring to get to the Woo Sox. Yeah. No, I'm just, I mean, I'm just saying, if, if the Woo Sox start to go off and people want to go, I, I suggest parking far away and walking. You're telling me that you don't want to go see like the 30th or like the worst farm system in the whole league play? <laughs> like, there's some decent names on the Woo Sox, actually. I take that back. I don't think Castillo's on it anymore. I don't think anybody's on the loose Sox. See, you know how you know how people go to like Red Sox Orioles games in Baltimore just to go see the Red Sox. I feel like that's yeah. what the Woo Sox are going to be there for. They're going to bring in like you know whatever team in the minor leagues is hot, and then people are just going to go and watch for them. Yeah, so I was on an injury rehab assignment. Can we talk about how stupid the logo is too? It is literally like a clip art smiley face with red socks. I love. I actually have a t. I gotta grab it. I have a t-shirt. It's my favorite t-shirt. No way. Woo socks. It's a it's a woo socks t-shirt. Give me a second. You, oh, it's just a smiley now? face. I don't get it. Who? Like, what's a woo? I don't even know who who in there like who designed that and was like, all right, this. How is, is this better than the paw socks? So. My uh, my girlfriend goes to school in Worcester, and she got me a nice Woo Sox T-shirt. I love this thing. That looks like you got you know, that off Wish.com for like a dollar. It's a dope T-shirt. It's so comfortable. It's one of my favorite T-shirts. Shout out. That is. Awesome. I love if it. You're listening to this podcast right now, which I'm sure like 90% of the people are, and you're not familiar with the Worcester logo. Uh, if I can paint a mental picture in your head, uh, it's this picture: the standard yellow smiley face who has just uh, swung a bat with knee-high red socks on and a red baseball cap. And uh, that's what the logo is for some reason. If anybody knows why that's the case, I would love to hear it. So tweet at us, please. I think it's the official one because it's got the little minor league logo on it. I'm, pr- I'm proud of whoever in the, uh, the PR department of the Woo Sox put that together. I wonder how long that took them. Oh, I just oh, noticed too in the W on the Woo, the Woo Sox, uh, there's a little heart in yeah. the, the W. It's a little heart. Wow, that's cute. Yeah, that's there's cute. a lot. There's a Worcester lot. Hearts the Red Sox. Worcester loves the Red Sox. The the stadium looks pretty cool though. Some of these drawings, Polar Park. Um, you know, again, it looks like it's it's right downtown, but it looks it looks like a nice area. It looks like a mini Fenway, honestly. Um, Is it still gonna be called Polar Park? I have no idea. I'm pretty happy. That kind of would have fit better with the paw socks, don't you think? Like having the bear be our paw socks logo and colors. Was that that what the the Woo Socks or the Paw Socks Stadium was called, Polar Park? Um, It looks like it. I don't know if it was, but it would make sense. I don't think the smiley face makes sense under any context. So No, none of it does. Um, So it. Go ahead. I'm looking at the little drawings up of Polar Park. It looks like a tiny Fenway. It's so weird. Like there's that big wall in left field, and then like the right field bleachers are kind of raised up. I I don't know. I it guess it looks pretty cool, but it like looks Fort like Myers too. Combination yeah. of like Fenway. Fenway and guys ready. It looks like a combo of like Fenway and Camden. Like they got the warehouse there. Um, behind left. It looks field. like a fake building. Yeah. Oh, it looks like a like a movie movie facade. Does anybody know what's happening to uh, McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket? Uh, they're probably just going to tear it down, I guess. I don't know. You guys make it been, like a, been to a Paw Sox game? I've been to a couple. Really I made it on the big screen once. Nice. Yeah. I like my, my life. proud moment of being a, <laughs> a, a Paw Sox fan. 
Let's just go to a Woo Sox game next time they play. Let's do it. I'm like their number one fan. Uh, summer 2021 uh, trip, Gombridge goes to Worcester. <laughs> Meet and vlog the whole experience. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, a little, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll scout out the team, help out Highest attendance team in the history of the Woo Sox. <laughs> All, all three people. Um, one other crazy thing, I, uh, I'm working on a, a project for one of my classes, and I have to create like a media guide. So obviously I'm doing it on the Red Sox, and I'm creating a page where uh, I'm looking at like historical records of the team with like stats. There were two things that really stuck out to me. One, Cy Young has almost double the amount of complete games than he has wins. That is a wild stat to me. Like, yeah, that, that means that there were basically half the games he was pitching for the whole game, and the Red Sox were losing. I don't know if the team was just that bad, or if they. I mean, I don't think they had like bullpens back then. I don't think they did either. They were literally like, like once you started throwing the ball. Yeah, you had to keep like going. You'd, you'd go and you'd eat like ten donuts before the game, smoke some cigs, and then just go throw like two hundred <laughs> pitches, and they'd be like, "All right, you're throwing again tomorrow." Yeah, they would like be on the way home from their actual day job and be like, oh, I guess I'll stop by and throw nine innings for the Sox today." <laughs> that's how they should. That's how they should make. Ba- they should revert back to that. Just like get rid of all this like nutrition and sleep and exercise stuff and just hand them a pack of donuts and a couple, you know, packs of cigarettes and tell them to go out there and see what I happens. I want a league of normal people. Oh, <laughs> Every Pablo average day already people. does that. <laughs> we just need a league full of Pablo Sandoval's. He's a baseball traditionalist, and I like that about him. Yeah, I'm trying to. Who's like? Who's like the healthiest guy in the MLB? Is there like? I'm trying to think of like one guy who sticks out as just like. It's definitely Mike Trout. He does. He's done all those Subway commercials. Oh, he's got to be like the healthiest guy out there. Yeah, fresh man. Hey, exactly. I mean, he's on pace to be the best player of all time. So uh, the other thing that stuck out to me. Tim Wakefield holds almost every negative pitching Red Sox or every like negative pitching record for the team, like ever, like most runs or at least most losses. Um, what else? Most runs allowed, uh, most walks, um, a bunch of negative stats for Wakefield. So I guess sticking around that long, you just uh, accrue all those negative stats. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it must be just, like, the end of his career because he was pretty good. But, like, I remember at the end of his career, like, watching him, and he was just getting shelled. Like, after a while, he just couldn't throw his knuckleball anymore, and it was just, he was just lobbing fastballs in. Knuckleball is such a hit-or-miss pitch, though, so I can totally see the fact that he would just get shelled sometimes when it's, like, not moving the way that he wants it to move. Yeah, I mean, that's so. the case for a lot of guys. Sorry, Dickey, Stephen Wright. Yeah, so he leads the Red Sox in, in walks. Hits allowed, home runs allowed, earned runs allowed, uh, losses, um, hit by pitched, wild pitches, basically anything negative ever for the Red Sox. Tim Wakefield's your guy. However, again, not a bad pitcher. Also leads the team in a game started. So I think it's more of a sample size thing, but I was looking at that. I was like, man, if you, if you don't know the Red Sox, you would think that Tim Wakefield was one of the worst pitchers of all time. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm looking at his stat sheet. Like his ERA is through the roof for like his whole career. But I forgot about this. He was an All Star in 2009. I didn't realize that. Like every knuckleball pitcher is obligated to have at least one All Star like appearance. It was his only one. Like even in '95 when he came in third in Cy Young, he didn't make the All Star team. Yeah, Steven Wright, one time All Star. One time like All Star. Talk about it. 
John Farrell messed uh, messed his career up, but yeah. got addicted to the juice. Yeah, and he yelled at his wife that one time for whatever he did. Yeah, yeah. John Bridge is against verbal assault. <laughs> yeah. Definitely don't support any of that. Um, no, all right, sir. I think I think the only last topic we got to get into here is Dombrowski going to the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, <laughs> I don't really have much to say. I think it's a horrible, horrible move. I think it, I think it's bad and great at the same time because I know Dombrowski is their farm is probably terrible, and I know he's just going to take every scrap of it and just waste it on like Craig Kimbrell again. Um, I hope he gets Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> I, would, I would be so happy if he got Craig Kimbrell. But the only thing that I remembered was, uh, you know, Dabrowski is going to be one of those guys who wants to sign like everybody just to make a World Series run. I could see him bringing back Romuto. If the uh, if the door isn't closed on that, I could see him, you know, coming back with another offer. Yeah, I, I can mean, see that too. I could see it, but the owners literally just said we need to trade our pitcher who we signed last season because we're bad pitcher. Uh, Phillies, uh, I have no sympathy for the Phillies or Phillies fans. I'm more sorry about that you just got stuck with him. Oh, it's it's hilarious. That's all I gotta say. I'm I'm more excited for like the comedic value of this because um, I feel like it's gonna hit the fan in Philly. Harper is gonna get unhappy. Dombrowski's got no assets to work with. I mean, he's really he's got his hands tied. There's not much he can do. Um, I'm sure he'll try and figure something out because that's what he does. And he'll probably leave them in a, a worse spot than they were in five years. Cause you look at teams like Miami, Detroit and Boston, where he was basically none of them have really uh, rebounded much since he's left. Yeah, I think it's near like a knockoff Red Sox. So like, like in 10 what? years, the Phillies are going to be a mess. Like they're still going to be tied to Bryce Harper. He's going to be awful. Dabrowski is definitely going to leave in the next couple of years. He's like 65 years old. He's not hanging around for long. But first, uh, he's going to ruin their farm system. He's going to ruin everything. And Bryce Harper is going to be stuck there by himself making $30 million on a team that's last in the NL East. We're going to like have Dabrowski kids. Be like, right. We're going to have like kids and Bryce Harper is still going to have. No, we're, we're all going to like probably have kids and Bryce Harper is still going to be under contract. Yeah, right? isn't he getting paid through like. 2033 or something yeah i think 2032 or 2033 is his last year like preposterous Um, absolutely preposterous gardner absolutely absolutely preposterous um all right let's uh let's close out the ninth here we got any any closing thoughts uh go woo socks that's all i got yeah go woo socks so I told you guys I had this big, you know, bombshell thing. I was going to take down the Baseball Tonight podcast because there's one segment on there. It's called By the Numbers. It's a waste of time. It makes me hate baseball. Like, they bring in this one person and they tell us the most, like, insignificant statistics. Like, you know, it would just be, like, home run distances or, like, they did it twice where, like, the number was three because that was, like, the lead in the series that the Rays had or something like it. It was just terrible. So, I was doing that and then I had an epiphany a couple nights ago and – you know how you, like the MLB does let the kids play and they make it like a weekend or something. Mm. Yeah. They need to make that all year. Like baseball would be so much more exciting if they didn't limit that to one weekend because players just like, they need to show their like character and everything. Like that's why the NFL and NBA have been so much more like successful with marketing because guys are able to go out and like customize their shoes and like, you know, be free to like, you know, do all these things and show off. And like MLB guys, they're still stuck in like, 1950 with like the 90 year olds who want like 
you know, nine innings, 27 outs, you know, run on, run off, no bat flips. Like it's just boring baseball and it's not where baseball needs to go. So uh, baseball tonight can stay, you know, get rid of that segment. But um, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my closing thought. I got one other thing. Baseball purists would never allow that. Never, never. Although aren't the Red Sox like winless in the games where they wear their, like uh, let the kids play uniforms. The nickname jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. The jerseys are stupid, but like, well, maybe the jerseys we'll... are kind of stupid. Like, God. No, no, no. I, I don't have anything else to say. Um, I was just I, saying the jerseys are kind of stupid. If you want to make those a weekend yeah. thing, then that's fine. But... I liked when Travis Shaw had the mayor of Ding Dong City on the back of his shirt. That was cool. That mm-hmm. fit all across. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a Ding Dong City or something. I don't know. The mayor. I don't know. You 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 knew what it was though. The mayor. Um, I got I got one other thing. Um. So obviously the, one of our main problems is we have like almost zero bullpen. And the other day, the Cincinnati Reds made a trade with the um, Cincinnati Reds made a trade with the Los Angeles angels, sending uh, one of their all-star closers or very good closers, uh, Rezel Iglesias, the angels angels give up Noe Ramirez as the top piece in the trade along with a, a player to be named later. Um, Red Sox released Noe Ramirez 2016 booted him to the curb and now he's getting traded for like a, a top of the line closer. So, you know, moves like that just make you shake your head and just kind of sigh a little bit. And when I saw that, I was like, really? Like that was all it took to get this guy. Cause he's a really good player. Um, a little bit, Iglesias a little bit of a hothead if I remember, but Noe has been really good since leaving the Red Sox. And even with the Red Sox, he wasn't that bad. So that's another uh, a Dombrowski special right there. So that's all I got to say on that. Just disappointment. Good luck, Philadelphia. Yeah, poor Phillies. Poor Phillies. Poor Phillies. It's not, not going to end well. Well, anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'd appreciate it. Hit us with a download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us, the Gone Bridge Podcast. And we'll be back with our weekly episode next Friday. And as we've said, I think the last three weeks, hopefully the Red Sox can get something going so we don't uh, have as many miscellaneous things to talk about. We can just um, have more cemented topics to focus on. But anyways, yeah, add us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate it. And thank you for listening.